0: Welcome to the Family Room, sponsored by Verse Sprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching. Because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. Welcome to The Family Room, everybody. This is John Gordon. I'm here with co-hosts Mari Cleveland. Mari, hello. Hello, John. And Craig Wiesmeyer. Hey, buddy. We've got a great show. We're actually going to go back to somebody that we've spoken to, so we won't spend a whole lot of time chattering. But it's actually, uh, we had a great conversation with our guests, uh, the, the guests that we're going to have back today and um and so we'll uh we'll go right to the topic I think but maybe before we do that Craig would you uh would you do an opening prayer for us please Absolutely we
1: would love you. to In the, name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen. amen Oh heavenly father we thank you for letting us gather again together um, to hear your voice to hear your wisdom and in particular this day to be able to finally understand who we really are in you who you see us as what our authentic selves are and in that that you bring your healing to all the lies we may have listened to in the past or all the hurt we may have been um, exposed to that you can bring your truth truth into our lives and really transform us into the wonderful beings that you've created us and we just pray all of this in Jesus' holy name and we offer it up through mary's intercession amen 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 Father, amen. Father, Spirit, amen. Holy Spirit. amen amen
2: Amen. So uh, John kind of teased us and said, we are going to be speaking to somebody we've spoken to before. I'm sure our listeners are very curious to know who that is. And we are so thankful that today we have back with us, Dr. Ian Murphy. Um, Dr. Murphy was with us. If you are a regular listener, you heard him back on July 26th. If you didn't get a chance to, you can go on to our podcast, which you can access either through our app, our Quest Atlanta app or our on the website, or you can actually use Spotify or Apple Podcast or anywhere. Um, just go to the family room. And we had a great conversation with Dr. Murray then, Mur- Dr. Murphy back then. Um, and, you know, when you were praying, Craig, you were praying about transformation and restoration. And I, as I heard those words, it made me think so much about Dr. Murphy, because I think when we talked to him last time, he was talking to us about his amazing book entitled dying to live from agnostic to baptist to catholic and if that's not transformation restoration all kinds of things happening there i don't know um but uh it was very fascinating his conversation just god's hand grip on his life from a very young age Uh, he actually had a valedictory speech that engendered everything from uh people in Congress getting involved too. I think it was like being chased by helicopters full of reporters, all kinds of amazing things. So if you want to listen to adventure, please go back. But uh, Dr. Ian Murphy, we welcome you back into the family room. We're so thankful to have you with us again.
3: Oh, great to see you, John, Mari, and Craig. It was a great conversation that we had. And I was secretly hoping the whole time it would not be my only time on the family room because it was just so much fun. So I am truly delighted to be back and be with you all again. Thank you so much for having me back on the program.
0: We're glad to do it. Mari talks about hope as part of our family room, so if you were hoping, here you
2: are. This if you hoping, and, and, and
0: boop, right? You come right back.
2: Exactly. We
1: need, we need more guests that are this generous. I mean, that's pretty uh, awesome.
2: It is very generous. Yeah, and I didn't mention, but if you if you listened last time, you know that Dr. Murphy has, um, you know, just a beautiful story, but he also has had quite a career as well. So um, he at one point was a Baptist minister, um, and then he also was a professor of theology at Divine Mercy University where Craig did some work there as well yeah. and um, now God has got him writing books and speaking which is such a blessing for all the rest of us so we're we're excited about today.
0: Can I just offer one plug to go back and listen to the podcast because yes. there's some real highlights in there.
2: yeah one of them
0: was um, Dr. Murphy shared with us I think guidance that he got from his aunt. and uh, it was one of the best New Jersey accents I've heard since I was in Philadelphia. So you got to check that out. And then he shared... I think it was like a one word answer like on a TV interview like the whole world is watching and he shared his one word answer. So that was either profound or mortifying. I'll let you decide but you got to go back and listen. So that's that's my teaser to go back and listen yeah, to that. So, I was a great I thought it was a great uh, show.
2: Yes, yeah, so it was on July 26th. So once again if you're looking to go back and listen to the podcast, yeah.
0: And New Jersey people there's a special place for you on that podcast. It was great. <laughs> so in the world today, I think if you went out and googled the word Self awareness. Your even the most current version of an iPhone would fundamentally just blow up. There's just <laughs> so much out there on self awareness. But as as a Catholic radio station, and with with listeners who either are Catholic or of the mind of a Christian bend or of, of a faith filled bend, mm-hmm. um, having a road having a book about self awareness from that perspective, from a Christian perspective, I think is is like. That's what you want to pay attention to. Yeah. Right? So so let's talk about that. Would you just share, uh, Dr. Murphy, how you got from, from all the different places that you were to actually writing this book?
3: Sure, sure. It, it started with a wake-up call I received one day when I was all looking handsome to give a talk, and I fastened the single gold button on the front of my sports coat and sat down. And at the time, my ginormous, over 300-pound belly popped over my belt, shot the jacket open, (laughs) and the button popped off, whistled across the room, and smacked against the wall like a projectile missile. Like It could have shot somebody's eye out. And so I'm looking down at myself, and I was like, wait a minute. So I pull out an old scale. One of those old dial scales, that, yeah. you know, every uh, 360 degrees rep- represents 100 pounds. And I stand on this thing, blowing the dust off of it for the first time in too long. But well, that little dial goes around once, twice, three times. It's still going. It was like it was doing laps.
1: It became a fan. I was going to say it was an I exhaust fan.
3: fan. <laughs> <laughs> I do, you know, which I wasn't. It's a, it's a, it's a, I, over 300 pounds at just five foot ten. Inches, I mean, I, I call up my sister. I said, Sarah, am I fat? And she said, you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I literally wasn't self-aware. Like the fat guy was always somebody else in the room. You know, I, I remember the smash hit Roseanne Barr, and I think because she parodied the worst of the modern housewife, but no one realized that that could ever have been them. It was always someone else. Mm, yeah. And I think that was the appeal, like it was someone else was the fat guy. And vice, sin, has this way of blinding us. Mm-hmm. We really don't see it. I mean, and then Aristotle talks about this it's a timeless reality. And so I knew something was wrong if I could have looked at myself in the mirror every day and not seen this. So things get worse before they get better, but at least I realized the need to heal. The problem is I went running down one empty plan after the next one bad diet, gaining all the, way back, all the weight back every time. It was mm. just one dead end after the other. And I knew that, that there was something fundamentally missing from all the self-help avenues I was attempting
1: that's interesting because we talk about self-help and it all relies on yourself right almost Mm -hmm. all of those books rely on you doing something changing your thinking or whatever and what's interesting about what you just said too is I think there's so many things in our lives whether it's sometimes weight whether it's how we respond to people whether it's you know the kid that's the bully or whatever it is it's a brokenness it's something that needs to be healed and we don't see that right And we cover it up with all these things so uh god bless you for having the wisdom to recognize that something needed to be healed but you know you talk about a road and, and and along the road you know they're not always straight oftentimes they're very rocky and bumpy and whatever else it is so along that road what do you think your biggest surprise was in that journey
3: Oh, what a great question. That My biggest surprise personally was that I kept trying to feel my way into a new way of doing something. Like I, I'll I'll exercise when I feel like it. Uh-huh. I'll eat less when I feel like it. I'll eat better foods when I feel like it. And if I couldn't whomp up that emotion, like if I couldn't force the emotional gymnastics and feel like doing it, I wasn't going to change, so of course that's one of the reasons I never changed was because I never felt like it. Mm-hmm. You know, Interestingly, the part of our brain that dreams and aspires is different than the part of the brain that chooses.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I would dream about weight loss, but when I choose my meal, I didn't feel like choosing good foods or good portions. I dream of all the weight I could lose at the gym. But then I'd step on the treadmill, and I didn't feel like it, and so I I wouldn't exercise. And in the end, I found out, healing in Christ, that to feel your way into a new way of doing something was never the answer to healing. We have to do our way into a new way of feeling something. Mm. The free will comes first, and our emotions catch up over time. That's how we transform. That's what brings those two parts of our brain together where our aspirations can become our decisions, is we have to act on grace and trust first. And our appetites and our moods and our feelings, they will catch up over time through habit formation.
2: Hmm. That's, that's amazing. So as you're talking about that, you know, once again, so the book that you wrote based on this journey that you went through is called The Road to Self-Awareness. And colon a therapy book for Christians, so you do get yeah. into right. There is a therapeutic approach to this that you that you took. So I think people would love to hear the rest of the story. So you're not still. We can see you. You don't. You no longer weigh over three hundred pounds. <laughs> Correct. So yeah. so so tell us that rest of your story, and then you know people have a hard time believing that that type of transformation is possible. So first of all, there's the hope of knowing what you've been through, um, but then we'd also love to hear about. And now that people are hearing this and they're reading it, what kind of responses are they having? So that was kind of a two-part question there.
3: Oh, and I love both parts of it. Uh, Yeah, the the short version of my story can help us just get to the basics of this. You know, people overcomplicate the whole ideological issue, what's your worldview, they'll call it, you know, what's are you faith based? You know, let's let's just keep it simple. Everybody is faith based in a sense because everyone trusts in something. Everyone's life revolves around some pivotal set of values.
4: Mm. And
3: in everyone's worldview, everyone's religion, everyone's life philosophy, if they call themselves non religious, whatever label they slap on it everyone has this view of reality that they're basing their lives on ultimately. Mm -hmm. And someone or something in that system is playing the role of God. Mm -hmm. It just simplifies the whole matter. And if, like, Craig said so well, self-help. Notice who's at the center of that, the self. Mm -hmm. So often, the self is playing God. It's autonomy, Mm -hmm. individual human freedom, misunderstood freedom to do what I please. I will be as the Almighty. It's the fall of humanity in all of us. It's pride in its most basic form as you can be God.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And for me to move out of self, and make that fundamental paradigm shift that there is a God, and it's not me. <laughs> and to and to defer to the one who sees more than I do, knows more than I do, that I'm not self-sufficient.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It's obvious, and yet that was the original wake-up call when I started depending on him, everything changed. One of the first things I learned was that I'm not fundamentally a problem to be fixed. Mm. I'm fundamentally a reflection of the divine image of love. I am beloved. I have a problem, but I'm... I'm not a problem. That's mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I started with "I am loved," I was made. I'm beloved, and I was even died for, and mm-hmm. the blood of the Lamb was shed for me, just to have the chance to have a friendship with my Maker. It it just changed everything. I laid a, laid a groundwork in humility, prayer, and the fact that God's mercy is bigger than my sin.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then from from that groundwork, He took me the next. Like off the plateaus and, you know, they say from faith to faith, from (laughs) glory to glory in the Word of God. He took me to that next level of healing through the power of virtuous habit formation. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I ended up losing over 100 pounds. It's Mm -hmm. a story of victory. But it's not just about weight loss. Like you were saying, I mean, it applies to addiction. Hmm. misspent energy, wounds, trauma that haunts people, uh, toxic relationships, whatever it is for somebody,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: they can get out one baby step at a time by the grace of the great physician who can't wait to heal them.
1: Yeah, It's interesting you bring it up too because I just had a conversation with a young person this week that uh, has been in therapy, and therapy is awesome, right? So let's make sure we clear that up. Uh, been in therapy forever, mm-hmm. um, but came to the realization just recently to ask God, "Who do you say that I am? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. see me mm-hmm. versus how I see myself or how the world sees me?" Mm-hmm. And this person came to this revelation of, "Wow, I my thinking's very different when I look at my life through the lens of how God looks at me." And it sounds like kind of that's where you came to as
3: well. Man, that that puts it beautifully. I love that. You know, ask God, who do you say that I am? The answer he gave me was, you are not a problem to be fixed.
4: Mm -hmm. You
3: have a problem, but you are not a problem. Substantially, who you are is a reflection of my image. And I can't wait for a deeper friendship with you than I've yet had. Mm -hmm. And that that just changes everything when you start there. Because now you're not just trying to get rid of a negative. It's not just an absence. It's you're, you're getting the presence of a positive. Like if you just empty, you get rid of a problem, like wherever you got – and that's therapy today is problem-solving, symptom management, pain alleviation. But what about substantial heal, healing? What, what is there for us? Like, okay, so I get what I'm being saved from but what am I saved for?
2: Yes, yes, yes. So listeners, if you are just joining us, you are here in the family room and we are speaking with Dr. Ian Murphy about um, his newest book, The Road to Self-Awareness, a therapy book for Christians. And so Craig just mentioned this friend of his who figured out that this therapy he was going through, there needed to be a different way, that there was a different way. So we're curious, the people who have um, gotten the 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 uh, benefit of reading your book and going through what you lead them through in your book, how have they seen your book different from other types of therapy they may have tried or healing journeys they've been on?
3: Yes, it was that was the uh, second of your t- your two part question yeah. earlier. I'm, glad you came
2: <laughs> I'm back impressed you remembered that.
3: <laughs> I, I I I didn't want to forget that because that, I mean that's been the greatest book since the this uh, book's release last March, the greatest joy is I get this feedback that this is giving people that step-by-step accompaniment. Mm. I mean, there's so many people who want to heal the desires there, they, they keep trying, They but they keep hitting a brick wall with whatever the addiction is, whatever the issue is. How they respond to people was another one you, you had you had brought up, like self control. The mm-hmm. list is endless, and mm-hmm. they just don't know what do I do? Like practically, what do I do? And this book is that step by step accompaniment, baby steps, doable, all made possible by grace that can get them out of whatever their funk is
4: mm-hmm.
3: and and on that road to self-awareness on that road to real healing not just from a problem but for a flourishing life mm-hmm. the feedback's been extraordinary i mean some of the more extreme and honestly humbling examples was somebody who's well been doing radio what you do for since i was born mm. said in his career he's only kept 5 books oh. He wow. reads a book a week because that's what his show is. He's been doing it since ni- since 1974 on secular radio, wow. and he said he's only hung on to five books. Mine was one of them. He said he would put it next between Augustine's Confessions and The Interior Castle on the shelf. <laughs> wow! I, I like you think that might give someone a big head, but <laughs> for me it was it was so humbling to hear that a book would impact somebody like that. I got another piece of uh, fan email from a total stranger. She said, I put all the gold nuggets in one spot that she's never been hooked on a self-awareness book yet. She would literally walk around feeding the kids, cleaning the kitchen with the book open in one hand in front of her, because she literally couldn't put it down. Oh. And she said, you put all the gold in one spot for me, and you got me off my plateau. Mm. And then it, like I got this, this nice blog from uh, catholicmoms.com. Somebody just walked through, they engaged it, they did their own step-by-step thing to get off their plateau, and I got to hear yet another freed person mm. celebrating the grace of God that is able to save. And I mean, it's just been the biggest joy in my life is hearing stuff like that in just a few months. I, it's why I wrote it, and it, fills, it just fills my heart to overflowing when I hear testimony like that.
0: You kind of have a gift. I think you probably know that, but <laughs> the, how you speak— is very easy to follow. And so I wanna ask you a little more, probe a little bit more into something you said just a few minutes ago. You said that it wasn't what you're healed from, it was what you're healed for. I think you said not mm-hmm. what you're saved from, but what you're saved for. hmm so mm-hmm. Expound on that a little bit for us, if you would.
3: Yeah, I like your wording better, what you're healed for, what you're healed from. If you start that you're a problem to be fixed, well, then healing be, collapses. It flattens into getting rid of that problem. And this is the road that a lot of modern therapy, and, and I love your good therapy is great. I mean, get a therapist, but please, if you can't get a Christian one, mm-hmm. because yeah. if the foundation is the self, we're not self-sufficient. I mean, apart from God, I can do nothing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that you know, get someone who's going to ground the step-by-step step in the great physician. I mean, something's wrong if Christians are going to church for some sense of eternal security in heaven, but then going to Dr. Phil to actually heal every day. <laughs> like, we, we serve a great physician. He wants to heal us. And so go to a Christian therapist. But if, if you leave God out, if you start with the self— then you become a problem to be fixed, and what's happened to a secular therapy is that it focuses on managing symptoms, alleviating or avoiding pain, Uh, it's problem-solving, it's alleviating suffering. And then there's no place for redemptive suffering. Mm. There's no place for what you're suffering for, who you're suffering for. There's no place, you know, it's not that Jesus suffered so we wouldn't have to that he suffered so that our sufferings are no longer meaningless. Mm. But a purely secu- secular approach is going to miss that meaningfulness. It's just going to flatten to get rid of the problem. But then all the things we're healed for, ultimately, that friendship with the one who calls us his beloved. You know, that it, it's not just that he's my friend and brother, but I'm his. I'm actually a consolation to his sacred heart that I could comfort God, that he would take delight in me,
4: mm-hmm.
3: that the Shekinah glory of the Almighty has been unleashed and resides with this little old guy of Irish blood born in Hackensack, <laughs> New Jersey. And he's, yes, you better believe I'm intimate with my people. Like, where does an infinite God set up his paradise garden? Well, in our hearts. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. He really wants to share His divine life with us, so we're ultimately, we are healed for that friendship, you know, late have I loved you,
4: mm-hmm. sort
3: of idea from St. Augustine. But with that comes all sort of things, saved for wonder, generativity, happiness, uh, relationships, other friendships, extension of His love to our neighbors made in His image. There's so much we're saved for. Uh, the transforming power of sacramental grace, and we'll miss it all if we're just trying to sweep out a room of problems and leave it empty. In fact, Jesus says something about that. You right. <laughs> Just sweep out a room and leave it empty. Watch, you know, seven worst problems are going to come in and take its place.
1: That's mm-hmm. very true. And What I appreciate a lot about what you said here and earlier was it's about that personal relationship with a loving God who delights in us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean yeah. to think about a loving God who delights in us, despite our being overweight because of maybe a sinful thing. Some, you know, I'll look at I can be gluttonous, let's say, whatever. I still love you. That's that. That's there's not a condition of my love. And let me reveal to you what's going on under all of this, so that you can be healed. Which is going to lead me to another question. So, how do you actually define true healing? And then there's seven key aspects of restoration. Can you kind of hit on those?
3: Oh, I would love to. Yeah, I would I would to just to be precise, define healing as God's repairing of the loving image that truly defines us as human beings. God's repairing of the image that truly defines us. Now, the image that truly defines us is love. But where we can start to get more specific about, you know, how does this play out in those step-by-step little baby steps that make, that make this doable? You know, we don't take giant leaves, it's baby steps. One way we can help frame those is by realizing that love is virtue. Mm. Love is virtue. Virtue is the qualities of love. We see this in, in the Bible, love is patience love is kind. In, in St. Paul's famous description of love in First Corinthians 13, well, love is patient. Patience is a virtue. Love is kind. Kindness is a virtue. And the list goes on. Love is mercy. Love is meekness. It's humility. It's self-control. It's it's the Beatitudes. The, each Beatitude includes some virtue. Virtues are the qualities of love. Our Creator is merciful, compassionate, long-suffering, forgiving, humble, kind, patient. Crafted after His own image, we're our most human by definition, humanity truly understood. I think a lot of people confuse human nature with sinful nature. Our true humanity is a reflection of perfect love. So we're our most human when we're merciful and patient and long-suffering and kind and so forth. So to repair that image that truly defines us is to grow in the virtues. The best thing about it, you work on one virtue, because love unites them all, you're working on all of them. Mm. You know, mm. If you're being self-controlled, that's also wise. It also takes courage and so on. So cult- the cultivation of virtue is where this all lands.
2: So we're going to head to break, and I know that we um, are excited to hear more of the key aspects of restoration when we get back from the break. So as you, as you were describing that and defining that, one of the things that really struck me as well is, being reminded that our God does delight in us. I don't know, you said it, then Craig said it, but I just always have this amazing image when he talks about that he delights in us, he sings over us, as it says, Zephaniah, just starting there for each of us. And I don't know, just pausing there, just for even a few Mm. seconds of our day each day and realizing that, and like you said, God's repairing of the loving image that truly defines us and that's what he delights in. We are in the family room with Dr. Ian Murphy and we'll be back in just a few minutes.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest.
1: In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support.
5: The Quest presents pro-life minutes you're pregnant what are you gonna do this response puts abortion on the table although what are you going to do is a common response this is not what you say when your friend tells you about her unplanned pregnancy women are created to nurture life no woman truly wants to kill her own child unplanned pregnancies can be scary 74% of women who've had abortions say that if one person would have offered support to help them, they would have chosen life. This approach, congratulations, you'll be a great mother and I'll help you, can be just what she needed to hear. God sent you to help her. Call 1-800-712-HELP to find the closest free pregnancy center. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. I am Father Tony Blount from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. This is one of my favorite prayers, the Act of Faith. Oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God and
1: three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I believe your divine Son became man and died for our sins, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them through eternal truth and wisdom who can neither deceive nor be deceived. In this faith, I intend to live and die. Amen.
5: Hi, this is Teresa Tamio host of Catholic Connection, heard every morning right here on this station, and we are so grateful for your listenership. And now's the time that we come to you to ask also, in addition to your listenership, your financial support. Of course, we always ask you to pray for us, most importantly, but we do need your financial partnership. Now, most of these stations have very small staffs, of course, because we're not rolling in the dough, obviously, because we are in this. This is a mission field effort. But the bottom line is... This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge, but this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like This One Catholic Connection available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com.
5: St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on QuestAtlanta.com.
0: We're back in the family room, sponsored by Verse sprite right here on AM 1160, The Quest.
1: We're here with Dr. Ian Murphy talking about his book, The Road to Self-Awareness, a therapy book for Christians, talking about how when God shines a light into our lives, true healing actually happens. And uh, when you talk about your weight loss, there's negatives, there's positives that can happen from that, right? You make somebody else feel guilty, but you've said there's some positives that have come out of your transformation. So would you give us a, a snippet of what that might have been?
3: Sure, sure. In, in the middle of uh, my own healing, some, somebody you know, noticed and was inspired and, you know, asked, okay, what's your secret? <laughs> and I said, well, a better question might be, who's my secret? <laughs> you know, and uh, I told him about Christ and I said, you know, what what are you struggling with? And, and he says, well, you know, basically, I'm lazy. Hmm. I know I'm smart. None of my professors know it. He was in, you know, full-time student at the time. I wish they knew how bright I really am. I wish they saw my gifts, but I, I'm a D student. Wow. And and it frustrates me because I really do love to learn, but when it comes time to study, I just I just can't do it, and, and I just I don't want to. I said, you know, he was trying to feel his way into a new <laughs> way of doing something, and since he never felt like it, he never did it, and and so I, I gave him my formula. Well, what if you took baby steps of doing it? You know, nothing too big like the right amount of difficulty, but you did it first. I, I, I had him make his own sticker chart. You know, my, my book, <laughs> The Road to Self-Awareness, a therapy book for Christians, talks about the sticker charts, but he made his own sticker chart. And every time he studied for a test or wrote an essay or did his homework, he got a sticker. <laughs> well, eventually this becomes a habit. You know, he. We're grown-ups, but we're just oversized children. You know, I, I might not want to get on the treadmill, but I will, darn it, I want my sticker. And he may not want to study, but he wants his smiley face sticker. And so uh, the thing is, about 30, 40 stickers later, all of a sudden he's just inclined to study.
4: mm mm-hmm.
3: Because through repetition, yeah. that the power of habit kicks in, a switch is, fl- is thrown in, inside yourself, and a new synaptic rivers are literally carved in your brain. This is We experience a- it as a routine, a tendency, an inclination, a habit. But that's literally what's happening, is in body-soul unity, your free will decisions from your soul are sh- reshaping your very brain. Mm. All of a sudden, he feels like studying. Now his day's not complete without it. He actually feels bad if he doesn't, and then that becomes part of his character. Now acts of studying turned into a habit of studying. Became He became studious. Mm. He goes from a D student to an A student. Like he, He's sitting in the front of his classroom. His All his teachers are marveling at his remarkable transformation, and he said, you know, The breakthrough for him, and and so as I asked him, I said, you know, how how would you account for your miraculous transformation? You're now a 4.0 student. And he said, I thought I didn't feel like studying, but what you showed me was that what I thought I felt like had been shaped by me Mm -hmm. across time through my repeat actions. You know, I Well, I don't feel like studying. Well, no, I thought I didn't feel like studying because I shaped that inclination through repeat actions of laziness. What I think I want has actually been shaped by me. Hmm. That means I can reshape it. That means I can actually want. A healthy thing, and that's the transformation that I experienced. It was just a beautiful story of victory. To answer your question, that's no, a was great inspired, answer. Yeah, that wow. is
2: great, and I'm also thinking about all the college parents out there who are running to buy your book right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of the teachers going, "This guy's cheating. He's not. What's he doing over here?" But true transformation, right?
2: So right before the break, you did start to talk to us about seven key aspects of what Craig just said, that transformation, that restoration. Um, Could you outline some of those for us?
1: And by the way, explain restoration, because restoration assumes something.
3: Oh, what a good insight. Yeah, being restored. We were originally created in the image and likeness of God. We're not trying to get something brand new here. We're trying to recover something. That a thief came in to kill, steal, and destroy Mm -hmm. and kidnap us from and poison and twist, you know, and, and throw into disorder so that beautiful things are now poisoning us by coming out in disordered ways. That original lie that... There's a God, and it's you. You will be as the Almighty that threw everything off. So we're growing in an image and likeness that's already in there, Mm -hmm. that's implanted in us in the natural law. I love that insight. Thanks for pointing that out. No, thank you for writing uh, it. um, so uh, the, just to be concise, those seven key aspects, for one, it's grounded on God. A true therapy is going to be grounded on God. It doesn't start with the self. You know, we've got this popular meme out there today, be true to yourself, be mm-hmm. true to yourself. And what people forget is there's a difference between your disordered self and your well-ordered self. Mm-hmm. And we, if we're going to be honest, we all know we have both. Yeah. And so I what people are doing is they're being quote unquote true to their disordered self and then misnaming it authenticity. There's nothing authentic about it. You're actually less human when you're your disordered self. So to be true to your true self is to be true to the image that originally defined you, the one that our healing is restoring. Beautiful. You know, that God <laughs> that God's healing. Um it's so it's grounded on God. It emphasizes the necessity of grace. I mean, don't try doing this on your own. We can't <laughs> heal ourselves. We're not self-sufficient. And that's good news, because we have an advocate. Uh, we have uh, They've literally taken the counselor, the Holy Spirit, out of counseling. Yeah. So let's put them back into it and get our helper back. Um, it's going to be practical. Real healing is going to be grounded on God. It's going to emphasize that we need His grace. It's going to be practical. You know, it's not going to be ethereal or – it's going to concretize it. It's going to tell us these baby steps of what we need to do in our daily lives as we take up our cross daily to heal. It's going to honor the unity of reality. It's not going to split our emotions from our choices or our body from our soul or our past decisions from the current habits that those decisions formed, Mm. nor is it going to separate our current decisions from the habits they're forming. You know, people say, oh, it's just one tiny little choice. No, there's no such thing, Mm -hmm. because that tiny little choice is shaping us, for better or for worse, it's shaping us. So it's going to be conscious of the entire trajectory and how we're being shaped and formed over time. It's going to be a substantial and positive transformation. It's not just going to heal us from the negative. It's going to propel us into the happiness, the joy, the wonder – the substantial positive. It's we're healed for that friendship with God and everything that means. And then for me, it, it had those two main chapters. Chapter one was, let's ground this on God, get humble myself, let's get a good prayer life. And once I had that foundation in place, I could get into the more detailed healing of those baby steps in virtue, that would transform me even more and take healing to a, a whole new level. You lay the foundation and then you can take it even further from there.
2: Very helpful. You know, and it sounds so clear as you say it, it seems so obvious, so much of that, we're all just we're all nodding our heads as you're speaking. And yet, do you wanna speak more about what obstacle Blinds us to being able to see and think clearly. I think we all know who the obstacle is, but is there more you'd like to (laughs) comment on about that obstacle that blinds us from being able to to see that and to think clearly as we as we go through these steps?
3: Yeah, thank you, Mari. That's that's very insightful. Uh, Bearing in mind that behind the effects of vice is a very real enemy. Yeah, that you know it's not a metaphor for evil. No, these are fallen angels. We. They are here. They are active. They have inte- intellect and will, and they actively harass
4: mm-hmm. and
3: hound us. They do prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of God's people. You know, it's uh, and, and they're very real. But we know He, you know, fear not. I've overcome the world. So this is another reason we we need the Advocate is because He's fighting the battle for us at at a transcendent level that we absolutely need if we're going to heal. And we, we have these entities that, that want to destroy us, mm-hmm. that have it, a malevolent will against us finding out who we really are. Yeah. I mean, that's the threat to the enemy, is if humanity realizes who they really are, yeah. Yeah, destined for beatific vision, you know, made a little lower than the angels, but will one day judge them. He, he's literally hell-bent on us finding out who we really are in mm-hmm. Christ. And so bearing that in mind, that behind that is, is, is that liar, that enemy, vice has this blinding nature because it habituates too. And the way weeds grow faster than the crops, you only have to repeat certain actions once for it to internalize a habit. Like my first trip through the fast food drive-through <laughs> for a gluttonous splurge, was all it took for that to habituate. Like yeah. how come it takes me like 30 trips to the treadmill for that to become a habit <laughs> and one trip through the drive through for a super size, I can't even admit how much I ate that day. At one trip, that's all it took. It's like in the fall, the weeds grow faster. Yeah. But you can still cultivate the crops, you know, and, and that is the, is that is the key. But, yeah, that blinding nature of vice, not only does it, habituate faster but it it just pulls the wool right over our eyes Mm. we just don't we're not self-aware and so saint augustine said it so well if you ask me what the most important thing is in religion i would say that the first the second and the third most important things are humility humility and humility (laughs) Mm -hmm. and one of the ways i like to think of humility is accuracy It's accurate for me to recognize there is a God, and it's not me. It's Mm. accurate for me to realize, apart from God, I can do nothing. It's accurate for me to know that I can go to Him, warts and all, uh, spiritually naked, so to speak, spiritually exposed and vulnerable, His light shining on all of it, and knowing that He loves me anyway, unconditionally, and, and... You know, it's not even that I see the ick that needs to be healed. It's that it was shown to me.
4: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: By the one who deemed me ready to go deeper into his friendship. And so to allow ourselves to be seen as we are, the prayer of every true friend of God is search and know me. Mm -hmm. See if there's any unclean way. Like David says in the song, search me and know me. To go to him and say, okay, I'm vulnerable before you search me and know me. You're exposing all of it and you love me anyway. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And I'm not even seeing it because I see it. I see it because you're showing it to me. Thank you for showing it and take me. To the next level of healing and faith. And yeah. and that's what that friendship looks like.
0: You're in the family room. We're here with Dr. Ian Murphy, and we're talking about his book, The Road to Self-Awareness, a therapy book for Christians. I have to ask this question. If, if there is the enemy and the obstacles, then there must also be an ally to offset. What is the powerful ally against the ignorance and irrationality that allows... You know us to wallow in our vices and in our, our our weakness.
3: Yeah, the word of God names the virtue of wisdom hmm. as one of those al- allies, and you know, of course, you can uh, anthropomorphize that. You can like you know talk about wisdom as though she's a lady she, yeah. accompanying us, but at the same time, you know, God is love, so God is wisdom. So I mean that we do actually have a wise counselor, literally assisting us, our co-pilot, the Holy Spirit, the Counselor. We also have our angels. Now, you know, there's, there's also the ones that didn't rebel. Right, yeah. And, and we have their assistance. We have that, what the New Testament in the book of Hebrews calls the great cloud of witnesses mm-hmm. of those who went before us and our, our saints in heaven cheering us on presently to finish our race strong. The Church triumphant, the communion of the saints is what it's talking about there. And we can tap into their wisdom, their assistance. So we have, we have our angels, we have the Church triumphant, we have each other here, you know, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have all the virtues, especially prudence, which, which can take the blinders off. And one of the appeals of the blinders is that it's hard to look at our stuff. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to say, "Hey Jesus, holy, perfect Jesus, who gave it all for me, come shine a flashlight on my <laughs> ugliest stuff." You know, get your ocular fill of this junk in me. I mean, that's really hard. <laughs> you know, I can understand wincing from that, and so we kind of welcome the blinders, or we just turn a blind eye, like at the center of every one of my gluttonous splurges back when I was over. 300 pounds was a moment where I said, I'm just going to go ahead and do it and not think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like I chose the right. blindness because right. I couldn't look at myself. So wisdom is what makes us accurate. Humility is, I, I like to think of humility in conjunction with wisdom as accuracy. Mm-hmm. You know, what's an accurate look at myself? And the only way it's safe to really take an accurate look at yourself and your junk is if you know you're loved, and God delights in you. That's what makes us able to do that. Otherwise, the darkness is—it it can be too horrific if we don't know that that's not sovereign. That God's mercy is bigger. His image is fundamentally in there. That's bigger, and He's doing the impossible in me. We need—we need those assurances to go that deep. And to heal at the deepest levels where we need to heal the most.
1: And it's very true because oftentimes we don't know what those are. I mean, it's one thing to step on a scale and say, I've got a problem. It's another thing to, you know, not know why you're reacting to somebody or something a certain way. And it's really scary to sit and ask God when we a lot of times have a view of of how we get judged by somebody else. Versus understanding having a, a God that already knew what we were doing before we ever did it, before we even created. He knew exactly everything we were going to do. And yet give us the image of the prodigal father, right? That doesn't wait for us to run to him and say, what, what is my problem? He's chasing us, saying, yep. dude, young lady, I love you. Like you said, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful sign. And unfortunately, though, we don't live in truth, we live in feelings a lot of times we live yeah. in emotions and not truth and you make a claim that there's one truth that's crucial to healing
3: mm-hmm. what is it where i refer to that the answer is humility
4: mm-hmm. because
3: uh humility in a sense if you understand humility in terms of accuracy humility is synonymous with truth and and i can flesh that out uh you know briefly Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen God. Mm-hmm. You know, now if I were to say that, that wouldn't be humble. And in fact it would it would surpass narcissism. They'd call it a god complex. If I said if you've seen me you've seen God and you should worship me. That's a god complex. Yet Jesus embodies perfect humility and he's able to say that. Now he didn't say that in spite of his humility. He was humble in saying that. But why simply put, because, well, for him, that's the truth. Mm. For him, that is accurate. An accurate self-assessment is humble. It's neither inflated, nor it's deflated. Oh, I'm the queen bee of my neighborhood. Well, that's (laughs) inflated, and that's not humble. But what often people forget is, oh, I look so ugly in these jeans, and then they hold their ear out. to hear, oh, no, you look beautiful in those jeans. Really? Like that That's a deflated comment. It's fishing for a compliment, and it's also – not humble, to fish for compliments, to feed your ego. Mary, another embodiment to me of perfect humility as the new Eve, she says, blessed am I among women. Now, if the, the, my neighbor across the street, if she came up to me and said, I am blessed among all women, it'd be like, you know, you got a pretty big head there. That sounds <laughs> inflated and not humble. But Mary didn't say that in spite of hum- her humility. For her, it was humble to say that. Well, because her, for her, it was the truth. It was accurate. It's it, it was an accurate self-assessment, and none of us would have benefited by some deflated false humility from our Blessed Mother saying, oh, no, I could never. I'm a nobody. <laughs> I can't do it. No, we wouldn't have been blessed by that. We uh, were blessed yeah. by let it be done unto me as you ask. Yeah. Yes, I am blessed among women. That that was humble for her to say it. So the truth is is at the source. It's that fundamental truth behind self-awareness. We've got to get humble, humble, humble. And what makes us able to do that is know God takes delight in us, but have that accurate Mm self-assessment. You know, I'm a gifted writer. I can hold my own in a choir. You wouldn't want me on a solo. (laughs) I'm not... I'm not bragging in one case and fishing for a compliment in another. I'm just aware of what organ I am in the body of Christ, and that accuracy helps get more light on the places we were formerly blind to so that we can heal there too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it goes back to the whole restoration that you were talking about, right? If we know who we are, we know what parts um, that we need to accurately look at and notice that we've just, you know, projectiled the button of our... Uh, jacket across the room, you know, that's part of the humility of being able to see the reality in that, right? But then also, like you said, know the giftedness that we've been given, know who God has created us to be. Actually, I was just working with some women this morning on spiritual gifts, and I just love spiritual, the charisms that we understand from the Holy Spirit who lives within us, who is the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same Holy Spirit has given us these beautiful charisms, and they aren't for you to laud over other people. They're for you to love and right and offer God in very unique ways. And so if I say I have the charism of encouragement, I'm not bragging, I'm doing what you just said, I'm being humble, but if I didn't recognize it, then I wouldn't step into the opportunity to offer that to other people because those charisms are for other people. So I'm thinking about restoration, not only for ourselves, but I'm thinking about as we become a restored people, just how much more healed the rest of the world can become because of us being able to offer, yeah.
3: As you said, so we step into it. Those gifts are for others. Yeah. They're not even for us. The reason you can step into your spiritual charism of encouragement is because you know to whom the glory belongs. That's part of the accuracy. I didn't make myself an an encourager. I have nothing to do with that. That's a gift. So I can't even take credit for it. And it's not even for me. It's a way I'm able to love my neighbor. So now our neighbors get all those gifts. If we're accurate in stepping into those gifts and saying, blessed am I in this ability, may it be done unto me as my Lord has commanded, then the whole body's healthier.
2: Right. And we've, we've got this false humility where we we say, oh no, I don't have any of this, then everybody loses out, exactly, yeah. So you talk in your book about there's a focal point that should be in the healing process, and I feel like we've kind of talked around some of that already, like this focal point of knowing that it's it's all from God, knowing that without him we can do nothing, being accurate, but is there any other focal point that we need to be focused on in the healing process as we're going through this?
3: Sure, sure. For for me, what I'm referring to there in my own narrative is the focal point of "I am not a problem
2: to mm, be fixed." Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: Because that that we've been so brainwashed by that. Anyone who's tried to heal, it is all about the negative. It's all about that. Like I had an early experience with a counselor for for my weight problem. When I was over 300 and she she opened our session together with, so tell me about this problem, Ah. Mm. you know, and it's like I started to feel like she was she wasn't treating me, that her real client was the problem itself. Uh. And uh, like if we got rid of that problem, well, what is there? We've just got that swept out empty room Mm. that could be replaced by seven, seven worse addictions yeah. than my than my gluttony or, or a literal demon demons literal and figurative come in to move into that empty space if it's not filled with Christ that's something i love that pope benedict the 16th said was that we all need love but all human love is fragile in the end we need to know we're loved by god because that love is self-sacrificial and perfect and that love is the foundation for what we're healed for.
0: So I think it's time for us to wrap, and I'll just we, or, or just, add another show. Yeah, well, we, <laughs> don't. We, I would just encourage folks to listen to this maybe a couple times. Yeah, because there are just phrases, sound bites that that you should write down they will be good guidance. In the spirit of good guidance, maybe, Dr. Murphy, would you
3: close us with a prayer? I would love to. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, I can't thank you enough for John and Mari and Craig and my wonderful conversation with them. I hope it's not our last. I'll go ahead and make that request (laughs) live. But I pray for all our listeners today. I want them all to hear as though you were saying it directly to them, I take delight in you, my child. You are not a problem to be fixed. You are not a bad spouse. You are not an addict. You are not a bad person. You have a problem, which is infinitely different than being one. Come take rest in me, your bridegroom, and let me show you my plans to prosper you. I pray this, that they would hear this in their hearts directly from you as though you said it to them. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Son,
2: Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That was amazing. Thank you, Dr. Ian Murphy. Once again, we are so blessed to have had you here in the family room with us. And thank you, dear listeners, for being with us as well. Please join us here again next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room
4: sponsored by First Sprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.